Hello, folks. Welcome to Below the Line, the podcast where we talk about film and television from the perspective of folks who are on set. My name is Skid. I was an assistant director in Hollywood for the better part of eight years, and now I'm not. My guests today are all background from the West Wing. They're folks who were regular staffers, and it's part two of a series we're doing on this. Uh, so if you haven't listened to the other one, uh, you might want to go back and download that one first. Uh, but I'll get right into introducing the folks who are with me today. Lenore Foster, hello. Welcome to Below the Line. Hi there. How are you? Lenore, it's uh, good to catch Thank up. You. Uh, Lenore, you were on the show for seven seasons. Is that correct? That's correct. And what are you doing now? Well, I've retired from Homeland Security, and I'm now back to doing background just to keep myself entertained. Well, I'm glad uh, you had some time to, to join us here today. Uh, looking forward to catching up on the West Wing. Bev Wiest, uh, hello. Bev, you were on West Wing for six seasons. Is that correct? Just about, yes. And what are you doing now? Same as Lenore in many ways, retired, spending time with my three beautiful grandchildren that have been brought to me and uh, having a good time taking care of them and enjoying my life right now. Sounds delightful, Bev. Thanks for joining us today. In our next chair, uh, we have Jamie Milhoff. Jamie, hi. You were also on West Wing for all seven seasons. Yes, I was. And Jamie, what are you up to these days? Right now, I am living in Maryland. I own my own boutique. And funny enough, I'm now running people's political campaigns. So my West Wing training has prepared me to help people run for political office. Right. Still doing a little bit in production, but on the other side of the camera, so production-wise as well. Jamie, that's fantastic. And we're practically neighbors, uh, given that I'm living in D.C. now. Uh, we'll have to catch up on that later. That sounds great. And then finally, uh, we have a special guest, uh, Larry Stahoviak. Larry, you're actually calling in from set today. Is that right? That's correct, Skid. I'm over on the set of Grey's Anatomy shooting at L.A. Center Studios in downtown L.A. Well, Larry, let us know when they call you to set. Um, I don't want to get blamed by another AD for keeping you away from what you're supposed to be doing, but really glad you could join us as well. Larry, I know we might lose you at any time. Just give us a heads up when you got to go. All right. Thank you, Skid. And uh, one of the ADs that I'm working with today, Kathy Bond, who was an AD on the West Wing, she's with us on Grey's Anatomy, and she says hello to you, sir. Thanks for passing that on. With Kathy now that I realize that, we're just going to keep you. And she's just <laughs> I don't think she would have any problem with that. It's the other ADs that might. So to start things out today, I'd like to ask you guys about your earliest memories from working on West Wing. Larry? I do have a story I'd love to share. And although I know you're going to hear a lot of stories about Martin and John, I have one particular story about John Spencer that is just my favorite. And it is because he was the first actor that I met on the show. If you remember watching the pilot in the opening sequence, John Spencer enters the West Wing, walks through the main halls and the corridors and through the bullpen, through uh, Josh's bullpen. And as he comes through the bullpen, he is saying good morning to several individuals. And at the end, he says the wrong name and the guy corrects him who's standing there and he goes, whatever. And he turns and walks and continues the walk and talk. So when we were setting up that portion of the shot, the uh, assistant directors put me in the final position with my back to the camera so they wouldn't see that I wasn't saying the actual words. So John walks up to me and says, so you're the guy. And I say, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, what, what guy? You're the guy that I say good morning and you correct me and I say whatever. I say, oh yes, but 
they don't want me to actually say the words, John. They have my back to the camera. They're going to do that in post. He says, wait a second. I'll, I'll fix this. I'm going to get you that line. So he walks away. I don't know who he talks to. And I'm thinking, this is amazing. What a fantastic experience. I just met the man. He's getting me a line on the show. I, I can't have a better day. Anyhow, he walks back up to me a few minutes later and says, I, I tried. I tried. They just can't do it. So um, welcome to show business, kids. She can be quite a bitch. <laughs> so I thought, what an amazing gentleman. What a fantastic experience. Eventually, they did give lines to the stand-ins in the background on the show. But to meet him for the first time and experience that was just something I will always remember. He's such a wonderful man, and I miss him. Hey, Larry, that's a great story. Oh, oh, shoot. Hey, Robert, I, I got to run, buddy. They're calling for me to set right now. All right. Ahead in the set, give Kathy Bond the best from all of us. We'll catch up with her again soon. Larry, thanks for joining. I absolutely will. And thank you again, buddy. It's great to hear from you. Take care. All right. Among the rest of us, uh, there will be no voucher for Larry today. We're going to zero him out. That's he didn't even he did not complete the day. And I will talk to Central about that. Coming back around. Was there anybody else who was on the pilot episode? Well, yes, I was. Lenore, tell us more about it. The very first day of filming, I believe we were at a hotel. And there was a bar scene where Rob Lowe picks up a young lady. So I waited because I was there. I was right there in the scene with my beautiful uh, forest green suit. And when it darted on the air, I didn't know. But the first scene was cut. They had to reshoot that scene. To me, it was just another scene then. But it was an experience. I bet. Bev, I don't think you are on the pilot. But what was your first episode of the show like? I believe I was there for the first time. Another background person and myself sat on one of the stages by ourselves pretty much, I would say, for nine hours, just the two of us, just in case we were needed in a scene that Brad was working on, maybe. I really don't recall because the stage was totally dark and they were working in a very, very small area of that stage. So we were like, just sitting there and it was nice and cool and we could leave whenever we wanted to. But it was a very different, unique experience. I just thought, wow, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I like this. And they were all very nice. And then I heard nothing for a couple of weeks and forgot about it. Shortly thereafter, got another call to come back. And that's when it all started. Hey, Bev, I wanted to ask you more about that. That The idea of actually joining the regular cast in other words being the group of in the group of 15 to 20 folks uh that were on the show on a regular basis what do you think the selection criteria was well i believe that loyalty really was part of it people that could be trusted i was on another show at the time uh, called sports night and so were a couple of other people and we were all all three of us were moved over from sports night when it got canceled over into west wing so i think it was a matter of us getting to be known by the ADs and the powers that be. They want people there that's going to make their jobs easier. And I just think that I was in the right place at the right time, and uh, it just happened. Now, Jamie, let's talk about your first experience. I know you came in mid-first season. You actually were there when I was a trainee, I think in your early episodes. What were those like for you? Well, when I first started, um, I had moved out to California and started working for Gary Marshall. And he said, you really need to get, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera, you know, 
see every aspect of filmmaking, television making that you possibly can so you can understand everything. He said, I've got this friend. He's going to be on this show. I'll make a phone call, see what we can do, see if we can get you in to do whatever. So his friend at the time was Rob Lowe. And so they had called and said, sure, you know, we can bring you in maybe as a background person and see what happens. However, you have blonde hair and they don't exist on the East Coast because television shows like to think that people on the East Coast have dark hair, California, they have blonde hair. So I would not fit in with the look of the East Coast, which is crazy because I'm from the East Coast. And it was the very first show I had worked on. So I had gotten an idea of what you should and shouldn't do. And I'm sure I was this quiet person that sat in the corner and, you know, was nervous and kind of taking everything in full well knowing that I probably wasn't going to be called back because I had blonde hair. Went through the first day, much like Bev said, it wasn't an eventful day. You know, waited a few days and figured, well, they're either going to tell me I need to dye my hair or they're just not going to call me back again. So a few weeks later, they called me back again. I did another few episodes and then you know, they had said, we'd like to get a good, you know, good group of people together. And would you be interested in doing that? And of course, I said yes. And uh, stayed on till the end. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So ladies, Larry told us a story about his first interaction with John Spencer. But I'm curious if you guys might have stories about your interactions with some of the other actors on the show. Allison was pretty funny on the set. <laughs> she really was. I don't believe that I had ever heard of Allison Janney, but... I was in awe. That woman was amazing all along. I just called her my shero, and I still do. As you can see, other people appreciate all the work that she's done since has actually been a testament to how I felt when I first watched her. So I was fortunate enough to have a line working in the episode, The Fall is Gonna Kill You. Immediately I became wrapped up in the fact that I'm going to be speaking on camera. My scene was with Donna and Ed and Larry, which I still don't know who's Ed and who's Larry. I pulled it off in one take and I thought I was done. I was like delirious and trying to do my thing, but I think we may have done 15 or 20 takes of it because uh, the whole scene didn't fall in. I'm not patting myself on the back, but I think I was being Allison at the moment, trying to be perfect. <laughs> but just, I mean, the cast as a whole, I guess people only see them for what they do on television and hear other things. But really behind the scenes, and I had worked on other television shows, they really were a good group of people. They were they were good people and they were inclusive people. And there was never a time, I don't think, and I'm sure the, the other ladies would agree that, you know, we ever felt not included or... You know, they didn't make you feel like you had to leave the room or move over for them to walk by. I mean, they were just really a great group of people to work with. And I'm sure we've all learned a ton from them. Absolutely. Agreed. I'm also curious if you guys have any specific memories about some of the guest actors that came on the show. There was a day when we had a mystery visitor. It wasn't exactly an actor. It was a very strange scene and not many people were called in, but we were standing in the Roosevelt room and there were a lot of guys there standing in dark suits and you know, we were all kind of looking around and all of a sudden there was this really tall, impressive gentleman that walked up and said, Hi, I'm Bill and had his hand stretched out to me. This was our president at the time, William Clinton. And I thought I was gonna faint. It was so moving. Something about that power, I guess, that just oozes. (laughs) 
being in a small confined area with John Goodman for a certain amount of hours or <laughs> a lot of time was a lot of fun. He's a good guy and fun to be with and laughing and he would try to keep us going uh, when we would be doing how many takes, I have no idea. And we'd all be there just giggling and trying to be quiet at the same time. And it was a lot of fun. And Allison used to get kidded a lot on set by the crew and they would try to do things to her to crack her up. And she was always so good natured about it and go along with it. Such a good way about herself. She defied all odds as far as I can figure out from, oh, you're never going to be, you're never going to make it. You're not going to be able, you're too tall. You're too this. You're not this. And she just plowed ahead and made a beautiful life for herself and surrounded herself with people that she knew were happy and good and just nice stories about her, one after the other, how she treated everybody on set. And again, the, the inclusion and the caring. I'd like to talk to you guys as well about the other work that you did as background. Beforehand, uh, like I said, I had worked for Gary Marshall, so I had just done a couple of his movies where he would stick assistants, you know, in. Um, so it wasn't anything like the West Wing having to, you know, navigate through intricate sets. Um, during that, I did a couple other shows if I would know someone um, that was doing it. But the ones that I did do when I was on another set, there definitely wasn't the camaraderie and friendship that you felt on that set. So definitely, I know for myself, when I would go to another set, you definitely feel like an outsider. So the West Wing was definitely a nice, inclusive place to be. As far as doing background, it was never anything that I had intended to do. I had a hair business. I was actually cosmetologist for 49 years. I just went to do uh, a call here and there, things like Chicago Hope. That's going way back. But it was an experience that's just different. And I had the opportunity to work uh, on hair clients for three days. There was time to do other things. But once uh, I started with the West Wing, then I realized how great it could be. The other shows as far as background and the ADs and behind the scenes, uh, we were not important to them. The actors... You couldn't talk to them. You couldn't look at them in you know, different places. And then it, it just changed. The West Wing just topped it off. And I didn't have any, uh, any, any inkling to work any other place. Well, Nora, I'm going to follow up with you on one story. During our first session, Annette Sousa mentioned that you and her were on Collateral Damage, the Schwarzenegger film, because they wanted West Wing specifically. And so I'm curious what that experience was like with you, and I want you to add more detail to that. Well, Annette has a great memory. I have no idea what she was talking about. I don't have a clear recollection, so I'll just take the fifth. How's that? Uh, folks who know Lenore want to go check out Collateral Damage. Some offices <laughs> where they're diving under tables. We want to see that. I find something, we're going to post it up. Uh, Bev, what was your experience with other background work? About the same as Jamie, I think. There were some really great experiences, and there were some really not-so-great experiences. Uh, Sports Night was wonderful. West Wing was extraordinary. And I think, didn't you work on Elizabethtown? That was an amazing experience for me, too. And I loved being there. It, It just was something that was just really, really wonderful, too, and getting to know everybody on that particular set. 
those were my three that really stand out as extraordinary. Um, my husband and I came out here from uh, New York back in the mid-70s, and we were both out-of-work actors at the time, and we got involved with uh, Ron Saucy down in the Odyssey Theater, and he was building his second stage down there, and we helped him put that together, along with Bo Bridges, which was a really great experience. Then a little group of people came along called the Groundlings. We got involved with them. We helped build the theater that's now over on uh, Santa Monica, and really were just having a great time and getting going and doing things that we wanted to do. We worked out at the comedy store a bit. And then um, all of a sudden, I didn't feel good one day. And then I didn't feel good the second day. And then I didn't feel good a third day. And by the fifth day, I realized I needed to go to the doctor. And when he told me I was pregnant, I just about fell through the floor because that was not in our life plan at all. I totally retired at that point and had not one, not two, but three children. Bob went on to do other things, really wonderful things. And when the kids grew up and started leaving home (laughs) and I had really nothing to do, my husband said to me, you need to get out of the house. And that's what I did. And that's how I began my working background. I knew a lot of people at the time and, and they were all very kind and got me on sets and things. And then West Wing happened and that was that. And like, We've said once, we'll say it again, West Wing was the ultimate. Nothing can compare as far as I'm concerned. I get, I get all choked up when I think about it, Skid. I really do. You know, Bev, I'm glad you brought up Elizabethtown because I had forgotten about that. Uh, I was on yeah. that as a day player um, just to handle some large crowd scenes. I think there was a big uh, a reception hall. I did that scene working with the background. And then there was a, a couple of days at a at the fair uh, where I was helping set that as well. Um, but uh, I had forgotten that uh, you did time on that. Uh, and that, I agree with you. That was also a set where even with the limited time I was there, I found it a really enjoyable place to work. I believe we were down at LA Studios when you were there one night and it was a huge group of people. And I just remembered you being able to keep everybody away from the craft service (laughs) and doing your job. Okay, this is going to be fun. This is really going to be fun. An additional AD's work is never done. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, um, you know, I actually did make a bit of a specialty of the large calls because I enjoyed working with the large groups of folks. Obviously, what we did on West Wing is one side of it, which was also great, where you have 15 to 20 people that you see regularly. You can tell people to go to this office. You can tell people to go to that corner and everyone is just going to, everything's just going to flow. That was a lot of fun. But my other favorite aspect of the AD work was working the large crowds, trying to learn everybody's name. Short-term memory would only last a couple of days, but learning people's names and working with them in groups. I have to say that's probably the aspect of AD work I, I miss the most. Hi, folks. I think we have a surprise guest. Um, with Larry's departure, made a quick call over to Central Casting uh, and asked for another one of our regular background. <laughs> Someone who could fill okay. in its notice. Uh, John Juan, who was here for our first episode, just jumped on. Hey, John, how you doing? Hello. Hi, John. Hello. I'm Johnny. So, John, you joined just in time for my next question. Speaking about background and other shows, I'm curious uh, which of you, if any, watch other shows involving the West Wing and what you think of their background compared to the job that we did. You know, when the West Wing was on, I'd watch ER as well. You know, I thought that they, you know, their background did a really good job. I think it's all within that John Wells family and just being in the uh, hospital setting. 
Is that the question? No, John. The question was other White House <laughs> background. But that's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, wait a minute. It's All right. That's uh, okay. yeah, yeah. Get uh, your wardrobe's not. Go, go get some shoe foam there, buddy. We'll. Uh, okay. No. No. Okay. <laughs> we were actually getting called to other sets because we were on the West Wing and we were regulars. And so their attitude on the other White House or political shows would be, oh, get some of the West Wing staffers over here. They'll know what to do. And inevitably, some of us would get there and we would sit in the chair all day long and not be used. Or we'd get onto a set and be told, no, 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 you, you, you don't do that that way. You do it this way. <laughs> and it got very, very confusing because on the one hand, they wanted the, the look they wanted the polished aspect of what we all sort of looked like. You know, we came prepared. We came to do a job. And then when we would get there, we were not treated very nicely. I do know that we uh, did occasionally allow other shows to use our Oval Office set because they had to right. do something with the president. And sometimes they would come in and decorate it a little differently, but not much. And mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the other shows that came and did that, but I do know that we were the established show in town, but that other folks would utilize not just our background, Bev, but our sets as well. Yeah, last season, um, Allison Janney uh, actually requested a bunch of the uh, West Wing regular background to be on her show, Mom, because they did a dream sequence with Richard Schiff, I believe. They wanted to do a walk and talk. So I did, uh, I was asked, I couldn't participate, but I, you know, I did recognize some faces, uh, uh, Ray and Karen Smart and uh, Christy Evans and I think even Lee Lee was there so the 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 ties the, you know the, run deep <laughs> with the West Wing family. Well, I want to give each of you a a chance to chime in with uh, any favorite episodes from the show. Yo Yo Ma, that Bev. was an amazing, wonderful time. Bev, tell us more about that episode. It was just an amazing experience to be able to sit and watch this man play and participate and have a great day. It's the same kind of thing as Bill Clinton showing up there. You just sort of go, uh, okay, I'm here doing this. What about other folks? I can't pick just one episode. Uh, there's several that stand out in my mind a lot uh, about the, the good acting, the, the fabulous acting. The, the idea that I was a part of it, it was a life-changing event, actually. You, you're more aware of political things that are going on, and uh, you see what, what life can be before and behind the camera. Uh, I have so many items that actually have the West Wing on it. I'm proud to go wear them in public. And uh, I didn't mean to shift off into gifts, but however... There was a day when we all walked out of there with a television on our shoulders. Wow. I was going to ask you, I was not there when they gave away televisions. But yeah, let's talk about some of the swag that, that people got. Lenore, what was the story with the televisions? Oh, my goodness. It was a 13-inch television with a VCR slot. I don't even know what they call them anymore. But we had these big boxes. And we were walking out and security's looking at us like crazy because hysterical, because we, we just looked like we were taking loot off the lot. I still have mine. I don't know if it'll ever work again, but I still have it. 
Okay, I know um, I got a hat. Actually, I think the hats went out early. Uh, I think it might have been uh, our producer, Mindy, went and got me a hat when I was on as a trainee. So I appreciated that. And then I think I have a, a green and white jacket that says West Wing on it as well. Not sure if that's from first season or third season. What other memorable swag did people take away from the show? Let's see. Our watches, our picnic bags, our ice cream makers, our jackets. Let's see. What else was there? I heard you guys got director's chairs. Did you ever take those to other sets and set them up in background holding? <laughs> no way. <laughs> it would have been stolen. <laughs> Let's not forget the Emmy Award certificates. As the West Wing collected the Emmys, they allowed us to have the Emmy Awards with uh, our name on it as if we were definitely actors on the show. Now, they couldn't get any better than that. The certificates, the image certificates were really something that I think made us all feel like we were, you know, contributors to the show and that we were all equal in, in a sense. Yeah, we were just one big family and, and, uh, and the producers, you know, were very uh, generous for just including all of us, uh, all of us regular background as, as part of the, the crew slash team. I've got two still hanging on my wall, so I'm very proud of those. I do want to interrupt, though, John. If you have two certificates, certificate or ice cream maker? I'm taking the certificates because I've never used my ice cream maker. It's still sitting in, in the cabinet somewhere. Uh, other stories you guys have from set? Um, maybe uh, back to favorite episodes. The one that stands out for me was uh, working on the episode where uh, Bradley Whitford won his uh, Emmy. I can't remember the name of the episode off the top of my head, but I just remember there was a scene um, in the Oval Office and it was kind of like a, a closed set. I, I could hear Bradley, you know, doing his monologue and within a scene and I just kind of felt this electricity in the air. And I knew something was something special was going on in that room. And so when uh, uh, the call cut and Bradley came out, you know, I just kind of talked to him and said, hey, I think you're going to get an Emmy for this. <laughs> and then, you know, I don't know how many months or, you know, down the road, but he did get he won the Emmy for that episode. So <laughs> that's, that's my favorite episode that comes to mind. Was that the episode about uh, PTSD? Yes, it was. After yes. being shot. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, for me, I had three episodes that sort of come to mind when I think of favorites. The Christmas episodes, all of them were great. And definitely a testament to people who are the composers and the music supervisors that add music to it. Because while we were there doing the Christmas episodes, I know that they were very touching. But something like with us, people don't realize that if we weren't there walking around, it would just look completely empty, boring, and not realistic. It's the same with the people that, you know, compose the music and add the music to the shows. When I would go and watch the Christmas episode back, it would be, you know, just amazing, you know, just the feeling that you get from adding that. So all of the Christmas episodes. The other one was the Rock the Vote episode. Skid, I don't know if you worked on that one, but we had the Bare Naked Ladies and there were a bunch of other bands. I can't think of who else. So what a better day than to watch the Bare Naked Ladies play the same song 500 times a day, which I never got bored of it. And they were great. And then the other episode that comes to mind is John Spencer's funeral episode. And I can still remember <gasps> that day. So those would be the three episodes that uh, stick out the most for me. 
So going from favorite episodes to if not least favorite episodes, then perhaps least favorite scenes to be a part of. Now, we've heard John's story about his hernia and how difficult that shoot was for him that day. Uh, anybody else have times where they, they just thought, maybe this is not what I want to be doing? No, but difficult. I agree with Jamie, which was the funeral episode. That was really, really hard to uh, be a part of that. But I think everybody did. It was a spectacular day or days. I can't remember. It was more than one day, I believe, you were in that church. And it was really hard to do, but uh, it got done. Most difficult location the show ever went to? To Air Force One. Uh, It was in another city, which was difficult for me to have to go there. But I didn't go often. But uh, it was a joy just being on it. But to get to it was, was my difficulty. Now, help me recall, was that a cool set on another stage or was there an actual airplane for exteriors that you're referencing? Well, the exteriors were done at LAX with like like a whole plane and, uh, you know, and they would just uh, paint it in post uh, with, you know, visual effects to look like the uh, Air Force One. But then when we were shooting actually in the airplane, in the fuselage, that was up in uh, Valencia or like Santa Clarita area. Yeah, that was a a whole stage with a fuselage with a green screen around the fuselage. I seem to recall that might have been the set that they used for the movie Air Force One. Is that possible? I I live right around the corner from it. I drive by, oh, I'd say two to three times a week, and I always wave because the set that it was on is now gone, and we have a brand new Santa Clarita studio up there. And warehouses have taken over. Private businesses are all in there now. But it's still so nice to drive by there and go, oh, what a good time this was. And it really was a fun time. It, that was hard work, though, on that plane because of the amount of space and the doors closing and the air conditioning would get turned off. And about, you know, 40 minutes into something, boy, it got hot in there. It got really, really hot. I remember Alice and Janney goofing around uh, while we were like setting up. I took pictures. I have uh, photos of uh, Alice and Janney hanging on to the wing of uh, Air Force One with the green screen in the background. And she was just being silly. <laughs> Other stories? Well, we talked about the uh, bus with Alan Alda, where we were in the parking lot on a big old tour bus. And we were really in the L.A. Zoo parking lot. And we just went around and around in a circle while we were filming, just around in this big circle. And it's, again, a closed environment with lots of people sitting inside of a bus, no noise, no air conditioning, no nothing. And the exhaust fumes were coming into the bus and people were getting out of the bus and going, oh, my goodness, what a day this has been. And and we'd look at our watches and go, oh, we've only been doing this 45 minutes. (laughs) And then we get back in the bus again and go around in circles. That was a fun day. I have a good bus story. Not as bad as Bev's. Mine was actually good. I think it was also at LAX because we used the airplane hangers a lot. John Bon Jovi was on an episode and it was a really horrible day to be stuck in a bus all day with John Bon Jovi, which is what I got to do. So we would just walk in and off the bus. It stayed static so we didn't have to drive around. So Bev had a, sounds like a roundabout throw up story in a bus. Although with Alan Alda, can't be a bad day, but I have a good bus story. That one with um, John Bon Jovi. I think he was campaigning. He was campaigning for, you know, when they were uh, Jimmy Smith's maybe or when Martin was running. I don't really remember exactly what it was for. I just remember he was going around and playing. So he would just 
in between takes, sit around and play music in the bus. And there were just a couple of us. So that was fun. Well, speaking of buses, uh, does anyone remember bingo on a bus? Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of Martin's greatest gifts to the regular background uh, and some of the crew who were able to go on those trips to Vegas with him playing bingo both ways. So with the trainees switching every 10 weeks or so, that meant every couple of months you'd have someone new in charge of the, the background. Was that ever a challenge? So I think that when trainees first get onto the show, I think it's a pretty daunting show to, to try to set background. And I think for the most part, our trainees were really good after 10 weeks. But, you know, in the beginning, they're nervous and they kind of want to still try to do it their way. But, you know, eventually, because like for us regulars who've been there for, you know, so many seasons, you know, we I think we kind of took the view that, oh, yeah, we know what you're going through. So we'll let you have your, you know, your first week or two. But then by the third week, we're going to we're going to show you how things are done on the show. But, but I think they really appreciated our expertise and, 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 and you know, that we're, we're really trying to help them too. And we're trying to make them look good. I think for the most part, like all the trainees that uh, went through the West Wing, you know, by the time they left, you know, they really learned a lot, not just from uh, production, but mm -hmm. also uh, how to set really big background scenes. So Skid, I actually have a question for you. So you were a trainee on the West Wing, and then you came back and worked on the West Wing. Did you feel like we were all a pain in the neck because we kind of knew what we were doing and it was, you know, intinction by fire? Was it helpful? Was it annoying? Did you want to do your own thing? Because now so flipping it to you, how did you feel about that? Well, it's a fair question. I'll say up front that um, understanding the nature of regular background from my first season if you all had been a pain, I would not have come back because no amount of steady work would be worth dealing with a group of 15 to 20 prima donna difficult background artists to work with. So fortunately, that wasn't the case. Uh, it was a great group. Um, I felt as a trainee, I was the second trainee first season, I believe. And as time went on over my 10 weeks, the uh, ADs on set would give more and more responsibility to the trainee. So as John, as you mentioned, folks could learn a lot about setting background, how to work with background, not just in front of the camera, but also behind the camera. And so in that sense, it was very, very good training. But I went back as the second, second, uh, third season. Um, it was still uh, that uh, the second, second was primarily on set and then working with the trainee um, to get that together. And so uh, the series of trainees that I had on board, it would follow a similar pattern where they come in new, uh, but you're very clear that these folks know what they're doing. Your job is to sort of get ready, get integrated with them, and then service by having the radio to set when folks come and go. And then eventually, by the end of the couple of months, we would have the trainees setting more and more background so that they were prepared to go on to another show. And I think we as an AD team uh, took that seriously. Uh, Kathy Bond, uh, she was my key second when I was on the show. And took the division of labor seriously, the training opportunity, um, and really depended on you folks as regular background. There was a lot we could do. We could do things fast. We could do complicated setups. Those walk and talks would have been hit or miss every time with folks that were new to the show, didn't know the sets, didn't know the ADs, or that we didn't know individually. And so having that leg up allowed us, in my opinion, to do the kind of work we did, which was always really a lot of fun, truth be told. The show could be tough at times, 
but working with you guys was always a pleasure. Okay, my final question, favorite assistant directors. If you don't want to say anything, I'll assume that we have an understanding there, but I've really enjoyed talking to you guys today. Really glad you guys made the time to revisit some of those old stories. Thank you, Skid. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yes, thanks for having me, Skid. For those who've been listening, thanks for joining us as well. I hope you enjoyed hearing our stories from West Wing. Uh, Go ahead. I think it's streaming on Netflix, but check out a couple episodes. That's a wrap on part two of our West Wing Deep Dive with background staffers. Special thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Wan for our logo. Keep that feedback coming. My email address is skid, S-K-I-D, at blowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-C. There's also a Facebook page. You can find us at Podcast Below the Line, one word. And I'll try to post some supplementary materials there. Next episode, in case you want homework between now and next week, we'll be discussing Panic, starring William H. Mason. Hope you'll join us. It was, uh, it was a little bit of touch and go. If I had Larry booked on my West Wing set and he got a call for a better gig, he should have told me right away. So I had time to bring someone else in ahead of time. And I'll tell him the next time we talk.